break them down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. You just tell the team you got a 50 points and the dream man just calling you dominate again. So who can stop Steph Curry? Hopefully we'll never find out. Hey everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. The second round of the playoffs are underway. The Knicks Heat and the Nuggets Suns have already played one game. But we got a special edition of the podcast today. We got a new guest, but first, Nishan, I'm going to introduce you. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How's it going? Uh, I'm excited to be back. And, you know, uh, I'm even more excited to have uh, one of our old buddies from college, Shiv. We all went to college in Boston. And uh, as you know, there were some heated series for the, the, Knicks, <laughs> the Knicks and Celtics. And the last time the Knicks made the second round, which is obviously an achievement, was when they played the Celtics. So, no bigger, uh, better Celtics fan than Shiv. Shiv, thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks for reminding me of that pleasant memory as well. <laughs> my name's Shiv. I'm from Boston. I've been here my entire life. Uh, so I'm not biased, of course. And uh, if I can just for a moment say it's really nice to have Nishant's Knicks and Ajay's Lakers and my Celtics all in the playoffs and in the second round. Rare occurrence, rare occurrence. I feel like it's not happened in uh, like any recent times because the Lakers haven't made the playoffs very much. The Knicks haven't. The Celtics have been a constant, but I think for mine and the Sean's franchises. But yeah, Shiv, dude. I mean, I mean, we met last week in Boston. Yes. Um, I was there for a conference. You were there for that too, for a neurology conference. And then it was just like, wow, like after nine years, you know, this is what uh, social media does. You could still follow people even though you may have not talked to them and then just reconnect. Um, I was there when the Celtics lost to the Hawks in Game 5 in Boston. Sorry to bring that up too. But you guys ultimately closed them out in 6. We are recording this right before the start of Celtics Sixers Game 1. Uh, we got the news Joel Embiid is out, which is a bit of a bummer. I think that was this was going to be a really exciting series. The Embiid news is really, really uh, a sucky news for all Sixers fans or just NBA fans who want to see good basketball. But... Let's get into it. Um, we're going to talk about this series today. Um, Shiv, after closing out the Hawks, just what are your thoughts coming in as a Celtics fan facing the Sixers? Sure. That Hawks series, that should not have been six games. That should have been a sweep. So <laughs> that's definitely a concern coming into the series. We didn't play up to the, the level that we should have. I think sometimes the Cs play down to the level of their opponent, and it's a little scary at times. Why, why can't they just go full throttle, especially in the playoffs? But coming into this series, I'm confident in our offense. You know, I think we'll put up numbers. Hopefully, our team, for some reason, loves to live by the three, die by the three. I hope we can live. <laughs> My concern is the defense. You know, how are we going to cover Embiid when he does play and, and the guards as well? So really, I'm focused on the, the defensive matchups. Yeah, I think, I think the, the, the Boston fandom was uh, due for a good break. You know, this, this, the Red Sox haven't gotten off to the hottest start. The Bruins, of course, had the biggest disaster, oh, and so man, I think just, this you're is, just you're just killing shit. Yeah. Well, well, you know, all that being said, I think the Celtics deserved, you know, a much easier second round than what would have been the case if Embiid was there. And so, I totally agree with you. I think the the the, the landscape of this series looks completely different uh, with the fact that Embiid is probably definitely missing game one, probably going to miss game two. I think the safest bet is he comes back when they get back home. And the goal for the Celtics is just, you know, with dominance, prove that they're the better team at home, 
play well, get their guys some rest so that game three and four they can really take and maybe even close out the Sixers in four or five games. Um, I I am not so worried about a Paul Reed-led Sixers team. <laughs> Let B-ball Paul. <laughs> and even though I live in Philly and I know a bunch of Sixers fans, like, can we just like spend a minute talking about like how you know, every year Joel gets some kind of injury. Generally, it's like a fluke injury. And at some point, you're just like, is this bad luck? Or is this just like some kind of basketball destiny that's preventing him from having like a string of healthy games where he can lead his team? Because year in and year out, we see this every time. He gets hurt. They don't have the supporting cast around him, except for that year that they had Jimmy. And obviously, we're seeing what Jimmy's doing with the Heat. And, you know... What do you expect from a team without Joel on, on a team like this where they essentially don't have any other star players like Tobias and Harden are not going to get it done, right, AJ? Wow. Discre- discrediting Harden like that? I mean, I know he's not Houston Harden or even early Brooklyn Harden, but and he did go to Vegas this past week. You know, you give Harden a week off. This is what he, we see him outside of Vegas nightclub slapping someone. Um, but, you know, Harden still li- likes to live that good life. I think it's a partially bad luck. But it's also Embiid's style of play, right? At that size, he's a physical player. You see him falling on the floor like all the time. He's going for the blocks. He's going to attacking the rim. He just plays his very physical attacking style. And that's what makes him who he is. I mean, he's going to be the likely MVP this year. Uh, going to be announced tomorrow. Um, he was the leading scorer in the NBA. He won the scoring title as a center, which we don't see that much very often anymore. And I think the reason he was able to do that is because of the physical attacking style he plays. And if he can't play that way, then the Sixers aren't who they are, and he's not who he is as a player. But you're right. This this is unfortunate. There was the year he had he had the broken bone in his face. He was playing with a torn meniscus, one partially torn meniscus. One year he was he got in like the flu or something. One year, like it's always something with Joel. And he, he gave an article to Ramona Shelburne before this saying that, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping this is the year I can get through the playoffs healthy with nothing like no fluke injuries or illness. And it's not to be. I mean, it's a PCL strain. We're hearing it's grade two. So this is like I'm hearing it's three to four week injury. He's not even at two weeks yet. So if he's going to play, it's going to be like he's just playing because it's a playoffs. Give whatever he can. We saw that he got the PRP injections. Um He's just doing whatever he can to speed this recovery process up. But it's it's definitely a bummer um, that we can't see Embiid. And I, I don't think Harden's just that dude anymore. Um, but, you know, I know you were talking about, uh, Shiv, with like how you guys defend the Sixers. I think it's going to come down to how the Philly Wings with P.J. Tucker and Harris defend uh, Brown and Tatum. I mean, that's the core of your team. And no, you can't really stop those two guys. Uh but you guys have what the Clippers thought they could have, right? Those two switchable long wings with like Kawhi and PG. But your guys can actually stay healthy and playing in the playoffs. This is like what every team wants. Do you think you should? Do you think Tatum? I'm sorry. Do you think Tobias and Tucker have any shot against Tatum and Brown? Short answer: No. like you said our wings they're they're very lanky long arms they're very switchy um when we're on defense especially you know you add in smart Derek white malcolm but with jason and and jalen specifically 
they're going to screen with each other and get the right matchup. PJ Tucker is just too slow to keep up with either of them. They got to be aggressive and drive past him. Tobias is a little bit quicker laterally as well, and so I'm a little bit more concerned about him when he plays D, but I think we should be able to shoot over him too. And he makes mistakes sometimes. He gets a little bit eager, tries to reach. When he reach, Tatum got to preach. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then to touch on Embiid real quick, should someone be MVP if they can't stay on the court? Like, do we need a minimum game 66 or something to qualify for this? I, I don't know, man. Or maybe Doc Rivers needs to learn a little bit of load management from Ty Lue and Kawhi or, or minutes <laughs> restriction. I, it still didn't end up working out for Kawhi, unfortunately. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it works out for Missoula and Time Lord that minutes restriction. So, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we should have the Time Lord here. is. <laughs> they put him in bubble wrap, Time Lord, throughout this uh, regular season for this. But what about you, Deshaun? You think the uh, Sixers got any shot to stop these wings? I, I really don't think so. I mean, even if <laughs> I mean, you look at it this way: even if you put starting off Tobias and you know, let's say PJ Tucker, what happened? Those are guys. Those guys aren't going to play forty minutes a game, thirty-five minutes a game, especially PJ Tucker. I mean, Tobias probably can. So, what happens when he goes to the bench? Or what happens when they run the classic? I mean, they did this a lot in the playoffs last year. You know, like a Tatum smart pick and roll. Now you got someone like, you know, Harden coming into it or Maxi coming into the pick and roll. And I think that the Celtics would force them to switch. And then now you have a mismatch with Maxi on Tatum or Maxi on Brown. And I think you're just cooked at that point. And so and and the, and the thing is, if you don't want to if you don't want to switch and you want to hedge, then someone like Smart going to the basket like you're you're in trouble there, too. And something that we don't talk about enough is. Marcus Smart is really great in the paint. And if you put a guy like Maxi on him, he's going to do that bully ball, come down the court. He'll bring the ball up the court. I can see it now. He'll bring the ball up the court. He'll just <laughs> he'll just turn around, put his ass into that guy's crotch. No pun, you know, whatever. And then he's just going to he's going to back him down to the paint and then he's going to yeah. hit him with a too small. Like that's what's going to happen. So, yeah. I think defensively the worst the things that the Sixers are worst at, which is guard defense is going to be exposed this time. And the thing that I think the Celtics are worst at, which is big man defense, you we won't see at least early on this series because Embiid's not going to be playing. So that's why they have that big advantage. Yeah, smart in the paint reminds me of like a Chauncey Billups 15, 20 years ago or Dwayne Wade. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He just, he, he's too strong. And I love when smart is the one who's carrying the rock for us up the court when he's bringing up the ball. Because like you said, with the pick and rolls, you switch it. And then Brown and Tatum have that dream matchup. But they really got to be aggressive, Jason and Jalen. I think sometimes they settle, get lazy, they shoot the three, even when they have that matchup where they could blow by someone. And I, I want to see them get more free throws this series. We haven't gotten enough lately. Again, that's because we shoot outside, I think, a little bit too much. But they get aggressive, wear down the defense, get in the bonus early in the quarters. I, I think that's just an easy way to win. Yeah, I mean, good point on Marcus. I mean, he's not been the player he was last year the defensive player of the year last year not at that same level this year not shooting the three as well I mean I think that's why we saw him getting benched for Derek White right because White kind of has been better than him uh I think one other thing that we should hit on is just like the coaching matchup in this series right um Joey Missoula Joe Missoula sorry he took over for Udoka unexpected at the beginning of the year 
led the team to a great start. It was almost like a continuation of last year. The second half, at times, the Celtics hit a lag. It was the opposite of last year, where the second half they hit went on a run. This year was the opposite. And I, 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 I've seen Celtics Twitter not be happy with Missoula, whether it's like his lack of calling timeouts, his substitution patterns. Um, they felt that in Game Five. They thought Quinn Snyder really worked him uh, with the way he, he set that up. Um, and we're not here to say Doc Rivers is some sort of coaching legend. Yeah, he's won a championship, uh, former Celtics coach. Uh, but he's blown his share of 3-1 leads and had his playoff questions. But um, Shiv, you scared about Missoula, dude, in his first playoffs? Or do you think he's going to live up to this moment? That Hawk series was definitely a little scary. Like, I'll give him that. <laughs> but I, I'm confident. I, I trust Missoula. I think throughout the year, he did good in, in keeping Time Lord healthy. Uh, whenever Time Lord fell to the ground, I was like, this is it. Our season's over. <laughs> but yeah, the minutes restriction definitely helped. And, and this year also, Tatum and Brown facilitated more than they did last year under Ime. And it, it just looks like there's better ball movement throughout the team. And when Jalen and Jason are both facilitating, I think that's when our team's really the best. That's when Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White have those open threes. And it creates more opportunities for both JB and JT. When each of them scores 30, we're something like 24-1. and one, And when they score a combined 70 points, I think we're undefeated. And, and that's all because of the ball movement and facilitation that we have going on throughout the team. Everyone's buying in. And, and I think that's because of Missoula and his game plan. I also really want to see how he plans to defend Embiid as well when Embiid comes back, whenever that is. Is he going to start Time Lord or is he going to go small and start Derek White with Horford at the five and really pull Embiid out to the three-point line? Is he going to put Blake Griffin in the game and get some minutes out here? (laughs) Dust him off on Blake Griffin. Who knows? What's he going to throw? Or is it going to be a little bit of uh, Grant Williams, who I think is like a small power forward or big small forward, kind of like a tweener, but he could also wear down Embiid. So my big concern is what is Missoula going to do there? Yeah. I forgot about Grant. I feel like he was a big part of you guys last year, and then this year he's just kind of been shunned. <laughs> it kind of shows what happens when your shooting goes down. I mean, last year when he was shooting well, he was like an X factor. I mean, especially in the, uh, I think one of the games against the, uh, the the Warriors, he like had like four or five threes, and he was like absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, to hit on your fact about what I think about Missoula, I think. You know, we thought these same exact things about Ime like the first half of last year, which is like, you know, he's not getting it done. What's wrong with his rotations? And let's really be honest, like the way that you define good coaching is in the playoffs. I mean, Bud got two extra years after they, I guess, three extra years after they won the championship or two extra years after they won the championship, all because they won. Otherwise, people said he was going to get canned. And then now everyone's saying that he's going to get fired this offseason. And so it's all about winning as long as Missoula keeps winning whether it's because of his coaching or whether it's because of the team around him, he's going to he's gonna be fine. And you have to remember that last, last one, Quinn Snyder is a great tactician. That was the case even when he was in Utah. And, you know, last series was Missoula's first series as a head coach. And so, you know, just like all the young players have those games that they just got to dust off, series that they got to dust off. I mean, he's, he's, learn, he's learning from his mistakes. And fortunately enough, I think that this series has been is so favored in the Celtics perspective that even if he makes a few mistakes, I think it, I think they can outlast that. Um, one thing I, I wanted to ask about from you guys is that, you know, a big change about this this year's team that I like is this second unit that's led by Malcolm Brogdon, who almost seems to be the antithesis of how Jalen 
Brown plays where he's very methodical. He's very slow. He's He very much plays a little bit of bully ball, but gets into that mid-range. Do you feel like he... And obviously, I'm still upset that he won six man of the year, not not quickly. But do you guys feel like he's eventually going to be the X factor as, as the series go go on? And even in this series, you know, giving um, large spells to someone like Jason and Jalen. I'll let you take that one, Chip. You, you know this team way better than yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> no, six man. He's he's great. I think he was the best offseason addition uh, throughout the league. He I, he can really carry us when JB and JT are on the bench, or if just one of them is sitting and give relief to both of them. I could see a couple of games where he hit some clutch threes like to end drought or maybe keep a run going in the third or fourth when, when the bench is on. And you're right, he is very methodical. He has a high basketball IQ. And he's been around the league. He definitely knows what he's doing. And I could see him taking someone who's more inexperienced, like uh, Maxi, for example, um, and really taking him to school, putting up a clinic. So I'm, I'm looking forward to when Brockton's on the court, for sure. Our bench has definitely gotten significantly better with his presence there. Yeah, I mean, you guys just have such a deep team. Brockton, I mean, guys like Pritchard who don't even really play. He'd probably be playing for, like, so many other teams. But um, let's end with this. So some predictions for this series. So I'm going to go with Celtics in five. I think maybe Sixers get one game if Embiid comes back. But I think this is just a gentleman's sweep. Uh, Celtics got too much talent, too much depth. I think it's going to be too much for the Sixers. Yeah, I agree. I think the same exact way. I think it'll be in in five. I, I predict that you know if, if Embiid comes back for that game three, they'll have that home 2-0 down, Embiid back on the court, like a little burst. But I think ultimately the Celtics will be too much to handle. And... Um, you know they'll hopefully be able to uh, win in comfortable fashion, so their their guys can get a little bit of rest uh, towards end of games. I'm definitely still feeling a little uneasy from round one. I'm gonna say Celtics, <laughs> of course, Messi's, but in six games, I, I think that we have trouble really putting our foot on the throat of the opposition when we have them down and just closing the series out for some reason. I, I don't know what, but in closeout games, I don't think that we, we bring our best game. So I'll say Celtics in six. All right, guys. So it looks like we all got the Celtics. Uh, and so that means, Shiv, we might have you back on this pod, dude. Because if the Celtics are going to be moving on, they're going to be in the playoffs. Whether it's the Knicks or the Heat that they face next, um, we've got to bring you back on yeah. the pod to talk more about them. Let's do it. This was fun. And if they don't make it, then we'll definitely have you back on the pod. <laughs> and we'll talk about how the Bucks had the biggest first round blow and the Celtics had the biggest second round blow. You know? And then your Knicks better I, win I just it wanted all. to bring up... <laughs> I just wanted to say that crazy stat that I saw about how this is like the first time where every single seed has, is represented in the second round, which I just thought was insane because you just never see the eight or seven. And this year we got like every single seed represented. Uh, I think this is the year where we really saw that maybe the regular season doesn't matter as much and the NBA has the parity that they've always wanted. Yeah, it's um, great. That's it for this pod, guys. Until next time, signing off. I want to give a shout out to our producer, Sandeep. Without him, this podcast would not be possible. If you want to get the latest news on the podcast and to support us, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BSJPod. You can also find all our episodes uploaded onto our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thanks for tuning in.